Well, with all that out there, we, we had some computer problems, so we're going to have to kind of just relate back and forth. It wouldn't connect. But you know, I, I got to think about the last month. We, we've heard the pastor preaching about, about our Lord and about you know, the things that he accomplished and, and, and about, you know, always Easter, about the resurrection. And, and, and he really was touching base uh, last Sunday, and especially when you talk about the sting of death. Uh, you know, I believe my brother over here had to put his hand on my shoulder and hold me down. I was about ready to come out of my seat and uh, because there's such power in the resurrection. And so I got to thinking about, I'm not going to give some deep sermon today, but we're going to do some exhortation today. And I thought, you know, we need to talk about victory more, right? We need to talk about victory for the believer, victory for the Christian, whatever you want to call it. But we need to talk about victory because there ought to be more victory in the house, right, at all times. I mean, like so many times we get to talking about teaching and we get to talking and we're prone if we're not careful for people to look at the negative in things. But I'm here to tell you, when you look at God, there is a lot of positive. There is victory in the Lord. How many has experienced victory in the Lord? Amen? Yes. So you think about it. I closed out uh, last night my prayer for the month, you know, and I've been telling you all about a calendar. I've been keeping it. And the prayers that I could see that was answered, and I think I have 45, 46 specific prayer requests that was going on, not counting what I pray for, like for family, for my wife, for my marriage, but like 40. And I've seen out of that 46 specific prayer requests that I've met with individuals, people have called me, they've either emailed me, I've talked to people that don't go to the church just sharing Jesus. I've seen 16 answered. 16 answered. Ain't that something? So I challenge you to do that. So victory for the believer. All right, I'm just going to go through here. I'm not going to preach for the first few slides. I'm not even going to say anything. So next slide. Next slide. Next slide. That's kind of blurry. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. Speaks a lot, don't it? Speaks everything you need to know. Right there. You see him on the cross. You see an empty cross. You see the tomb with the rock on it. You see the tomb with the rock open. You see him eating with his disciples. You see him in the book of Acts. Going up. How many understands the same way he goes up, he's going to be coming back on a white horse. Can somebody say amen? Woo! And as you see him going up, when he comes back this next time, how many is going to go with him, right? Amen. Can you give the Lord a shout? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so we look at all that. Next slide, and we'll get to how about slide eight. All right. And so before I get into that, I'm going to take my glasses off. So I'm not looking at anybody because I can't see you're blurry in the front row. But I have went to new glasses, and yesterday I took a hard fall. Uh, and I landed on my arm, and, you know, I just had this shoulder replaced, and I heard a pop, and I was like, no, no. These are transitional. I, uh, I wore bifocals for 10 years, and these change automatically. Only thing is, my, I can't change with them, and I stepped right up to a porch, and it looked like to me I was stepping high enough, and I hit the thing and fell right over. And so if I don't take the glasses off, I'll get over here and just walk right off. And, and so, so I'm not looking at you because I can't see any of you, so that's, that's a good thing. So John 19, 28 through 30. After this, Jesus, knowing all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it on his mouth. 
So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Father, I come before you this morning and I thank you for these young people. I thank you for what you're doing in their lives. I thank you, Lord, for Victoria, Lord, and she's my helpmate as we minister to the youth. And I thank you, Lord, for a pastor who trusts us with the youth. I'm asking now, God, as the youth's done their part, and we've been praying for the youth, now that, Lord, we would do our part and we would bring forth the word. And I pray, God, this morning that the living spirit, Lord, of you, God, your spirit, Lord, would touch people. People's minds and hearts would be challenged. People here today, that Lord, realizing that we can celebrate. There's nothing wrong with us to celebrate. We can celebrate. We can live in victory. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said, amen. I shared this with Pastor about a month ago. I was studying, I came across this word finish, and I told him he could use it, and he didn't use it. So I'm going, I'm going to use it. I, I, I mean, it is finished. I was coming across there. And, you know, the work on Calvary, when, when Jesus said it was finished, it was finished. And, and, and uh, next slide, I want to just show you. Now, and you, we're going to get into this finished word because we've got to understand this part before we can live in victory. It is finished for the past, it is finished for the present, and it, it was finished for the future. What was accomplished on Calvary made everything complete as far as the way to salvation and experiencing God. It was finished. Next slide. All right. So the word finished, the Greek is tetelestai. Something like that. And that's, a, that's a hard word to pronounce. It comes from the verb tello, which means to bring an end. To complete, to accomplish. It's a crucial word because it signifies the successful end to a particular course of action. But there's more here than the verb itself. The Tesla is in perfect tense in Greek. Now, before I go on with that, think about it's finished. Has anybody ever had a task? Like maybe, you know, you wanted to, to, to climb a mountain. And let's say a climber that wants to climb Mount Everest. And I mean, that's a big mountain to climb, right? And I mean, when he finally gets to the top, at very top, I mean, surely when you get to the top, you can look down and you can say, it is finished. It is finished. Jesus, when he cried out, it is finished, it was in the perfect tense. Now watch this. Next slide as we go forth. The Tesla in his perfect tense in the Greek, perfect tense speaks of action. Of action. Uh, which has been completed in the past with results continued in the present. It's different from the past tense, which looks back to the events and says this happened. The perfect tense adds the ideal that this happened, and it is still in effect today. Today. So in other words, if you think about the work at Calvary, when you think about what Jesus done to give us victory, to die on a cross for us, we celebrated it all last month with the Easter. It's something that the Christian, it's our month, right? The Christian's month, the Easter comes along. We get to talk about the cross. We get to talk about the resurrection. We get to, we get to share that, and we get to experience that with one another. And I'm telling you, when Jesus cried out, it was finished. It wasn't just finished right there in that part of history. It's finished right here today. There is nothing else that needs to be done. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, when God says it's finished, that there's victory at the end of the road, how many believe there's victory at the end of the road? When God says it's finished, it's finished, God's people. There's nothing else that we can add. When he says it's finished, it is finished. And so I love that. And when you think about that, next slide. And so 
Jesus didn't say he was finished, right? You don't find scripture there. Jesus didn't say he was finished. He said it is finished. It is finished. He cried out, it's finished. He meant it was finished in the past. It's still finished in the present. It will remain finished in the future. And I love that. There is no new revelation. There is nothing else new that we can expect from God outside of him returning back to this, 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 this earth to, to, to take us back home forever and ever. And that home, and that's, that's another debate, new heavens, new earth. Think about that. But nevertheless, it's, it's finished. What are you facing today? You know, we go through battles, right? I share this, and I, I reluctantly share this, but I, I, I share it because it's been shared openly in the youth uh, more than once. Uh, 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 we have a young man in our youth group, and, and there was one prayer request that he asked one time that he said, pray for my mom that she stays in prison so she, uh, she don't do drugs. Same prayer a few months Move the clock forward. Just this past week, the prayer request changed. It was pray for my mom so she can get out of prison and not do drugs. Huh? Yeah. No, no 12-year-old boy should have to face that, right? No young person should have to face that. Thank God for a grandma that's, took, that's taken that child and is raising that child and is loving that child. You know, I, the number one thing that I hear in the youth group when I ask, because different studies, we ask different questions, is who, you know, who really has t- touched your life? Who means the most to you? Who's that go-to person? Do you know we hear grandma and grandpa continuously? Grandma and Grandpa, yes, amen. I mean, I think about Timothy, and I think about his, his grandmother, how he went to his grandmother. But what I'm, what I'm trying to paint to you, that is something that is ongoing. In your life, there's things ongoing, right? It's going, and you look at it, and you say, Paul, what do you mean when it's finished? The work of Jesus is finished. We're in the process of accepting it. We're in the process of living it out. You say, well, how long does that process take? It takes a lifetime. It takes a lifetime. You're not going to get to the point. You have to get to the point to where Paul, so Paul was when he said, listen, I finished the race. You know, I've done it. I kept the faith. When we get to that point, and that way, and that point, that is right before our departure, right? It takes a lifetime. So Jesus, what he did on the Calvary, that's what gives us the hope, the hope that it's finished, the finished work. You know, we are, we are, we are, uh, uh, we get uh, distracted real easy, right? I mean, a lot of us, we look at all of our circumstances and all the things we taught this morning in Sunday school about the waves, walking on the waves. When you look at that and you read that story, if you read that in its right context, I mean, there was waves going everywhere. That's what the Bible says. There was waves. There was wind. I don't know about you. How many's ever been on, on a boat and their storm hit out on the water? And I mean, a bad storm, because there ain't going to be very many of you, because I'm telling you, when it happens... I will tell you, you'll think your life is going to be over. I will tell you, I've seen some bad storms being in the Navy. I remember when I first came here to Missouri to pastor, I was pastoring a church, and two of my deacons, they were 70, the fish were biting, and I seen this black cloud, and I knew it was moving fast, and I seen some green in it. And I told them knuckleheads, I said, listen, we need to get to the the ramp now. And then, oh, no, 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 you know, they, you know they, and at 70 years old, you think they would have seen some storms. 
And I want to tell you, within minutes, we were caught in a storm. And I want to tell you, there was panic on my face. On their face, there was panic. And I mean, all that one deacon could do, Stanley, is he just got that boat, and he flew in it, and he just, we didn't go to the dock. We ran it right up on the bank and got out. Storms. Storms. Finish. Think about Peter. When you read that, he gets out of the water. Remember, there's one thing about Peter. If you read that story in its right context, he asked the Lord. He said, listen, if you are who you say you are, let me come to you. You wouldn't get out of a boat in a storm, trust me. And this was a huge storm. He said, let me come to you. And he, he got out and he started walking. And he was doing just fine as long as he kept his eyes on Jesus because Jesus is the finished work, right? He's the finished work. He was doing just fine. But when he looked at the waves... And he seen the wind. He began to panic. That's what keeps us from being finished because we get focused on the things outside of what we're supposed to be focused on. And we're supposed to be focused on the cross, on Calvary, upon Jesus. And he's the one that keeps us. I love the scripture because it says, and when they crawled in the boat, who was they? Him and Jesus. They crawled in the boat. But nevertheless, you go on and you look at this. So when we say this, next slide. See if I can get mine to work now. See if we're lined up here. Victory. Jesus' finished work gives us victory. Will you receive the finished work? That's the question. Will you receive the finished work? Will you receive it? Hard to, isn't it? Because we don't, don't it seem like we always want to add something else to the finished work? Like if, if we did this, if we, we did this, or if we did God's people, he finished it. When he said it was finished, it was his work. We need to rely upon him. Whatever you're facing today, whatever you're facing, God has finished the work. He's finished it all the way around. So next, next, verse, next uh, slide. Now let's get into victory. Now victory, because how many loves living in victory? I mean, I mean, I, I asked the young people this day, I mean, have you ever just in a time in your life where everything was going good and you just feel like you could climb a mountain, you could run a race, you could win? Like, man, you was up on the mountain. Has everybody been on the mountain before? I mean, we've all been on the mountaintop before. Like, man, this is it, man. God is good and, man, life is good. Victory. I love victory. It's from the same Greek root as the word translated overcomes. So many times... In Revelation 2 and 3, overcoming is being victorious over the pull of human nature against God in the, self, in the self. Satan and this world that tries to keep us from entering God's kingdom. Man, I tell you what, we've been there where we're just on cloud nine. Man, we're just, I mean, I can tell you probably just looking at the church and looking around here, I mean, there's people that's been baptized, and you can tell when they're baptized, when they come up out of that water, you can tell that they're on top of the world. You can tell that they're telling people, man, this is what God has done inside of me. I love what's happening here at the church because you know why? We, we get to experience, don't it seem to you we get to experience a lot of victory every Sunday? Huh? Huh? A lot of victory? 
You don't come here and it's just boring and it's just, it's dry and it's just the same old thing. I'm here to tell you, we have a pastor that don't allow the same old thing. I mean, matter of fact, he, he changes very rapidly, right? Very rapidly. He keeps you on your toes, right? On your toes. Nothing can just stay the same. And, and man, one of my biggest gripes at work is, you know, we, I've had three presidents and I hope that the one that I have right now is Watch it later. And uh, they always want to come in and they want to change the world, right? They want to change the system. Nothing ever stays the same. I'm one of those kinds of, kind of guys. Listen, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let it go. Let it happen. That's not the mode of our pastor. It could be working fine. I think we ought to do this. I think we ought to do this. And I think we, and I want to tell you remarkably, he pulls every ounce of energy out of all of us for the work of the gospel. Amen. Victory. We get to see baptisms. We get to see the experience of worship. When I hear that countdown and I look up there on that balcony and I see those little children up on that balcony and they're giving a cup down, that countdown, I'm looking at a church that has life. When I look at a church that has youth doing the service, I look at a church that's experienced victory. Victory. So we have victory. Man, I, I want victory, but I don't, only want, I, don't, I don't only want victory on Sunday. Man, I want victory on Monday. I want victory on Tuesday. I want victory on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Now, I know, I know without a doubt this is going to throw you that God does not intend that. Did you just hear what I said? Oop, oop, oop. God doesn't intend for you to live in victory all the time. Matter of fact, God's going to allow things to come your way to test your faith. He allows it. Because if we all just lived up on cloud nine all the time, and we lived in victory all the time, I'm afraid that we wouldn't be able to minister to those who does not live in victory. Right? Right? Next slide. So 1 Corinthians 15, 1. And then this is where I, I tell you, man, I, last week I had to be careful because I was ready to come out of my seat. And I thought that there was going to be one more step, but I think he preached himself out and he waited till the end there. And I mean, I think he had preached himself out. I was waiting for one more step because it was shouting ground for me. I love to get happy. I love to get happy. I want to tell you something. I can't study the Word. You know, I can do a lot of things, but I cannot study the Word. And when God reveals truth to me in the Word, I cannot sit idle. I mean, I get happy. I start jumping. I start looking. I mean, y'all see me on Tuesday night when I teach. I mean, I can't sit idle. When God begins to minister and the Spirit of God begins to flow and I begin to get the truth of Scripture, I don't know about you, but this Word of life gives me life. And so 1 Corinthians 15, 51, he says, listen. Listen, this is the Apostle Paul. I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will be changed. Mm -mm -mm. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Mm. Look around right now. Look at your neighbor and say, this ain't what you're going to look like in heaven. You're going to look totally different in heaven. I'm here to tell you there's going to be a radiance 
a glorious radiance that I cannot even describe. There's going to be something different in us in this new heaven. There's going to be something different about us. We're not going to look the same. We're not going to think the same. And here it comes. We're not going to face sin no more, ever, ever again. Because we'll be imperishable and we're going to change. Change. And Apostle Paul, he writes this and he realizes this, that look, there's going to be a change here. Something's going to happen and we're not going to be the same. There's something's going to come on us that's going to be different. Next slide. So he continues. Verse 53. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying, oh, I love this, that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Can somebody say amen? Now, I want to tell you, this is twofold. It means something twofold here. This death that he's talking about, it's not, not just as physical. It is a part of that. But he's talking about sin, the death of sin. How many realizes this morning that sin causes death? Young people, what does sin do? Somebody shout it out. Well, what else? The fourth thing. What does it do? It takes what? Three things, I should say. Amen. That's what sin does. And death. Now watch where he goes. I love it because this is going to be our great anthem. We're going to sing this. Somehow it's going to be in a song form, Cheyenne. I don't know how it is. And by the way, Brother Nick, what an outstanding job he'd done working with the youth to get them ready for the youth service. Amen. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But somehow it says, he says this is written, it will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. It's going to be some kind of song. Next slide. And here's, here's what you're going to be singing. This is going to be some kind of song. Where, oh, death, is your victory? Where, oh, death, is your sting? For a Christian, where, where, oh, death, is your victory? Where, oh, death, is your sting? Because for the Christian, we're going to see something. Now he goes on and he says this. This is why it's twofold. The sting of death is sin, right? Sin causes death. And the power of sin is law. So the law tells us what we do wrong. But what he's talking about here, there's going to be a time coming. And when the newness comes, and when God calls us home. Well, I mean, I want to tell you something. I really believe this. I don't care if anybody else believes it or not, but I believe it. Because I believe it's in the Bible. And if it's in the Bible once, that's good enough for me. How many still believe today that when Christ returns to this earth, I mean, when he comes back for the saints, how many believe that the dead in Christ will rise first? You ever drove by a graveyard? My mother-in-law, you'd have to know her. I think she's here. I can't see. Like I said, I can't see nobody. I took her fishing last Sunday. Me and my mother-in-law. I get along with my mother-in-law good. I don't know about y'all. But I get along with mine real good. Took her fishing. She loves to catfish. And I, talk, I told her that I hear these little jokes that these young people tell me. And I, I was driving by the graveyard and I said, Erlene, how many people in that graveyard are, are dead? 
I don't know. I said, all of them. I said, Arlene, you know why they keep the fence around the graveyard? She goes, why is that? I said, to keep the dead in. I hear that from the teenagers. I hear these little jokes. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know this truth? That there are many people, matter of fact, all. And let's talk about Christians. All the Christians that have died before us was dealing with sin until they died. They were dealing with the sinful flesh until they died. There's one final completion for the believer. The work is final. The work on Calvary is final. But there's one more final event. And that event, God's people, is when God comes home. And so if you understand what I'm saying here, when he talks about this death, this death is twofold. Yes, the dead in Christ will rise first, their body. But no longer, ever again, from that day forth, will anybody have to experience the believer I'm talking about. No believer will ever have to experience the death of sin from that day forward. Can you say amen? Never, ever again will you have to experience that. It's been overcome. It's been whooped. It's over. Newness has came. There is no more sin when we find our final destination, right? No more sin. Sin doesn't lead there. And that's what he's talking about, I believe, in these passages of Scripture. So he goes on, 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God who gives us, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. Now, if you're reading that, you're reading that context, and if you're reading in the 15th chapter, you understand what he's talking about, but then he lets them know right now, in the present, talking about victory. Look what it says. I didn't make it up. But thanks be to God who gives us, I mean, this is present tense, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So victory tonight, our victory this morning, comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. No other way, no other, no other person, nothing else, nothing can give you victory like Jesus can give you victory, right? Nothing. You can't get it from anything you're doing. There is nothing. Oh, you can get emotional highs. You can, you can, you can, you can, I mean, you can be at the top of your game. I mean, I, I pick on you, Mike, a lot, but I imagine when you was at the top of your game as a linebacker, that, man, when you got on that field, because I know one thing, I don't know if any of y'all know, if any of y'all ain't football players, but you have to be crazy to be a linebacker. Absolutely out of your mind, you know. I mean, you, you can't be sane and be a linebacker. There's just no way. I mean, I've, I've been around them. I've been, I had some friends that were linebackers, and, I mean, they would get out there, and they had such much, I mean, you ever seen Mike Singletary? I mean, with those eyes, they, you know, he just, they're watching. They can't wait for somebody to hit them or for them to hit somebody. And I imagine when you was on top of your game, didn't you feel like, whew, that's an emotional high though, right? When you have met that point to where you're, in, where you make it to the NFL, what, 1% of all college athletes make it to the NFL? When you make it to the NFL and you play, you're like, man, you're on, t it don't last, does it, Mike? It hurts today, don't it, Mike? It hurts today, right? It don't last. We, we're in a world that looks for things to make us happy. Like, in the, like I gotta, what's, the next, what's the next high that I get? What's the next high? There is no high. 
that's going to keep you like the high of Jesus. There is nobody that's going to give you that lift like King Jesus. There is nobody that's going to give you continuous victory like King Jesus. Can you say amen? I mean, he will give you victory. He will make sure that you live in victory. You just got to stay focused on him. Paul is talking in the present that thanks be to God. Look, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank that. I thank God for his, his word. So let's, let's look at this. Next slide. So five ways to live in victory. So you look at this and you think about this. I love the word stay in. So that's why I put it here. Stay in the faith. The word reads, you know, stay in the faith. And for me, the faith means this. If you want to know what the faith means, it simply means the word. This word is our faith. It's not what I think. It's not what I feel. That's not your faith. Your faith is founded in the word of God. Can you say amen? Heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. I'm here to tell you that grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. Our faith is what's in the word. That's where we base our faith up on. So if you want to read what faith can do, read the Hall of Fame chapter, Hebrews 11. Read about what faith can do. Grab a hold of that. Write that down. Take that home. So stay in the word. Stay in the faith. Surround. Think about this. Yourself with people of the faith. Hebrews 10 and 25. How many believe that you have a lot better chance of, 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 of staying and living in victory if you attend church? <laughs> Amen? Don't be one of those Christians who say, well, I can just stay home and I can just watch, you know, from my television. I don't have to come to church. Church doesn't save you. You know, I'm telling you, God is coming back for the church. God is coming back for the bride. I'm a part of that church. I'm here to tell you, stay in church. Come on now. Do I have a witness this morning? Now watch this. Do I have a witness this morning? How many of you have ever missed two or three weeks of church? And then you have to really make yourself go to the, like, man, it's like, you know, man, the more you miss, the more you stay out, the more you talk yourself into staying home, right? Right? And, 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 and Paul says not to, you know, I mean, the writer of Hebrews, which I happen to believe is Paul, uh, he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't do that. And, and, and all the Bible, the church, you know, it, it acts. The church of Rome, the church of Corinth, the church of Ephesus. The Bible is written to the church. When you get in the Revelation, he's still talking to the church. I don't know about you, but I tell you what. I thank God for church. Now, I tell you, it may be boring to some people. And it may be like, you know, you have to go. I can honestly tell you this morning that I miss church. I, I, when, when Sunday comes around, I'm on cloud nine. How many's on cloud nine with me? Man, I love, I love church. I tell you, when I sit down on a Tuesday, a Thursday, or Friday, and I can't get a word in edgewise when I'm meeting with the pastor, because God's speaking to him, he's sharing with me the sermon, and I'm sitting there, yeah, 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 and boy, I know, come Sunday morning, I know I'm fixing to hear the gospel. I'm fixing to hear a message that's been breathed down from heaven. I'm here to tell you, stay in the church. It'll help you stay in victory. Woo. Resist. Man, we don't do enough resisting. If you want to live in victory, resist the devil. The Bible says in James 4, if you resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Try this. Try this. 
Think about what you're dealing with right now. Think about the thing that makes you your weakness. It makes you, it makes you weak. You struggle with it. I mean, you don't want to do it. You find yourself like the Apostle Paul. I don't want to do this thing no more. I don't want to involve myself this morning. But, but I find myself doing it. Is anybody there? Come on now. If Apostle Paul was there, you've got to be there too, right? Come on now. I had something that I was dealing with. This has been about a year ago. I was really dealing with this thing. Couldn't get victory over it. And I got to thinking, well, how hard are you resisting? You say you want victory, but are you resisting this thing? That's right. You can think, I'll let your minds wonder what it is that I was dealing with. And I'm like, man, I want victory over this thing. I was reading the Word, and I came across this, and I began to look at resist. Say no. I don't find in the Scripture where he says that he'll flee from you immediately. But resist is a continual thing. It's not a one-time thing where, well, I resisted, it didn't work. Just keep saying, no, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'm not going to do that. Get behind me, say, no. It may not happen once the first time you say it. It may not happen the second time. It may not happen the third time. But in this deal with me, I can tell you about the seventh time when I said I resist, and it was like a 30-minute battle, and I resisted. I'm here to tell you, it left, and I hadn't had experienced it again. Can you say amen? Why? Because I resisted. Resisted. I want to live in victory. If you want to live in victory, resist. Resist the attacks of the devil and he will flee. Stay prayed up. Man, I tell you, this prayer thing for me, Pastor, and I didn't call you this week. I told him I would keep him in track on his, and I've been calling him and saying, Hey, how's your prayer list going? But this prayer list that I've been working on, I'm here and tell you, stay prayed up. 16 prayers. 16 prayers that are answered. And, 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 and some of them were very significant prayers. I mean, all prayers are significant, but these were like what you would call very serious prayers. Some of them were like middle line, you know. 16 prayers answered. Why do I need to stay prayed up? Because listen, if I don't stay prayed up, if I don't get the mind of God, you know, if, what, what am I doing? What kind of thoughts am I putting in my mind and my heart? I mean, all this works together. I got to keep the word in my heart. I got to surround myself with good people. I got to resist the devil. I mean, I got to stay prayed up. I mean, read it for yourself in Ephesians 6. I mean, we need to be people of prayer. Jesus has said to himself, these things only come by prayer and fasting. I don't know about you, but I can tell you, you know, well, this morning we was talking about in Sunday school. And remember, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. And then he tells his disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. He stays there. Then you continue to read the scripture and he dismisses, he dismisses the crowd. And he goes up in the mountain to do what? To pray. To pray. To pray. Man, so many times you see him. I think Pastor made note of this. So many times you see Jesus praying. Well, I want to tell you something, God's people. If Jesus has, had to pray in his walk on this earth, if he had to get alone, if he had to have a place of prayer, if he had to have a quiet time of prayer, how much more do we need to pray, right? Can you say amen? I mean, ask yourself how much have you prayed. I, I had a dear pastor, dear pastor, Brother Michael Wells. Uh, really... Uh, I was a young person, and, and he was really the guy that I looked up to. He was our youth pastor, eventually became our pastor. And, and he was a big guy. 
And one day, you know, I stayed with him a lot. Stayed at his house a lot. Always hearing him pray. Never seen the guy in shorts. He's one of those kind of guys, you know, us holy rollers. We're Pentecostal. You can't wear shorts. You know, you can't cut your, you can't cut your hair. You can't wear makeup. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, I seen him one morning. He got up and he had a pair of shorts on. One of the most prettiest pictures I've ever seen in my life. The guy's only, I'm serious, the guy's only 30-something years old. And I've seen calluses. From about here to here on both legs. What a beautiful picture. The man prayed about everything. A big man, he got down and he would pray. And when he got up, I said, truly, there was calluses on his knees. What a beautiful picture. To bow down before your Lord and to pray that much. There's one thing that we need in church. I think we have plenty of teaching. I think we have plenty, plenty of true. I mean, how many's happy with the preaching of the word here? I mean, don't you grow? Don't you grow? Don't it challenge you? Don't it make you leave here sometimes saying, man, I never seen. Aren't you glad that we have a pastor who brings the word of God? Let me tell you something. I thank God that we have a pastor that brings the word of God. I thank God that we have elders who bring the word of God. I thank God that we have worship leaders who know God. We have plenty of worship here. We have plenty, plenty of teaching. How are we in our prayer life? These things only come by prayer and fasting. Do you really want to live in victory? Man, we need to really ask ourselves about our prayer life. Our prayer life. And the last one. Come on, young people. Come up to the stage. I love this. Five ways to live in victory. Stay in the faith. In other words, the word. Surround yourself with people of faith. That means, man, get in church. Get plugged in. Some of you, yeah, some of you are believers, but what are you doing with your believing? You're not too young, you're not too old. You can do something for the Lord every day of your life. You can get involved in ministry. I mean, aren't you glad when you see us, we start service, and we have all these ministries that we talk about? We had the go and tell, we have roll on, we have Ann's house, we had the veterans, I mean, we had the youth group, we have children's church, then we have all of these mission trips. I mean, doesn't this look like a church the way it's supposed to be? We can, we're getting, and there's more, there's more to be done, there's more we can do. I'm so glad and so keep yourself in church resist the devil stay prayed up but let me tell you something else that we need to do let's learn to walk in the spirit according to Galatians 5 16 if we walk in the spirit we're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh too many times in the church I hear the word I think I think I think, and I'm always interested after what the, or I believe, and I'm always interested. I'm glad you're thinking, and I'm glad you're believing, but I'm interested what comes after that. And if they, what comes after that, if they say, I think the Word of God is saying this to me, man, I'm on board. If they say, I believe, according to John 3, 16, man, I'm on board. But when they start saying, I think and I believe, and no scripture is used at all, nothing about God, it's just their own thoughts, and that's walking in the flesh. I want to walk in the Spirit. 
Man, I want to come to church when, when you get around a bunch of people, man, that's prayed up. I mean, I told these youth, I mean, last Sunday I said, I'm going to say it three times. Pray for the worship, pray for the worship, pray for the worship. I said, I'm going to say it three more times. Pray for Pastor Paul, pray for Pastor Paul, pray for Pastor Paul to, to, to preach the word. I love it when we gather together in this house. I love it when we get together and we're all in tune and we're walking in the Spirit. Sister Shine, you can tell when people are walking in the Spirit of God, can't you? I mean, it's like lightning. There's like energy on this stage. There's like energy out in that audience. It's like lightning. I'm telling you what we need is we need a move, and we need to accept the move of the Holy Spirit in our church more and more and more. It's not by might. It's not by power, but it's by the Spirit of the living God. Do you want to live in victory? Here it is. So if every head bowed and every eye closed before I get through off here. Man, I love you, church. It's an exciting church. So proud of these young people. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of your parents <coughs> who bring your ch- uh, teenagers here, your children. <coughs> We live in battling times. There's battles all around us. But with the battles all around us, we can live in victory. We can have victory. We can have victory. I could sit here and I could tell you all the stories that I've heard in the youth group. I could share with you what they face. You might think a little different. But it's not about just our young people here today. It's about you as adults. Are you living in victory? It's finished. It was finished for you yesterday. It was finished for you today and it'll be finished for you tomorrow the work of Calvary man I don't know about you I just want to move a God in this place these altars are open it's strength when you rise up and come to an altar of prayer it shows you that you're bound down and you depend upon God he's the one that's going to bring you victory won't you come Our youth will pray with you. Prayer teams, you can come up. Man, let's just live in victory because I want to tell you something, adults, if you live in victory, it makes it a whole lot easier for the young people to live in victory. These altars are open. Won't you come?